0: Welcome to the Mindful Academy podcast with Jennifer Askey, professional certified coach and academic workplace consultant. On this podcast, we talk about doing well personally so that we can perform well professionally, about intentional career planning, and about how to get out of our own way and align ourselves with success.
1: Welcome back to the Mindful Academy. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I'm going to continue to talk about emotional intelligence and how it shows up in our lives. And if you're someplace right now where this is available to you, if you're sitting comfortably or out walking in a safe environment, I invite you to close your eyes and take a big inhalation Feel your ribs and your diaphragm expand and then exhale audibly out of your mouth. And then with your eyes open or closed, pay attention to where your body is making contact with the surface beneath you. Your bum on a chair or a sofa, your feet on the floor or the ground. As we get started here, just spend a few moments checking in with your body and how you're feeling in your physical space. In the last episode of the podcast, I spoke a bit about how your brain receives messages from your body, sometimes on a level that you're not externally aware of, and then how your brain uses that information to construct an emotion that you experience. So our emotional lives aren't something that plays out inside of our heads. Our emotional life is a whole body experience, and, What I'd like to pay attention to today is the way in which the so called life of the mind, right? The scholarly life, the academic life, um, the life that involves you being in a cubicle, in a lab, in an office, um, in front of a screen, in front of books all day, doesn't build in um, natural recognition of whole body experience, right? There is a joke that in academia we consider ourselves heads on sticks, and so I'm going to push against the head-on-stick narrative today um, and talk a little bit about the body in terms of our emotional intelligence. So um, a lot of what I'm taking today um, continues to come from the book How Emotions Are Made by Lisa Feldman Barrett and uh, from the work of Amanda Blake who is a bodywork professional and holds a PhD in leadership. She's at Case Western Reserve, and she's the author of a book called Your Body is Your Brain. And this entire book was a revelation to me in that it took the coaching principles that I use all the time and added on a layer of somatic practice and body awareness to them, and literally embedded coaching into my, my life and my body in new ways and helped me to think about how to coach people, including their body awareness, right? Instead of making profound coaching conversations merely intellectual exercises where we're learning and thinking, but to think of coaching conversations and personal growth and transformation as something that that encompasses the whole body and involves the whole body. So one of the things that most coaching models ask people to do is to get very clear on their big why. You might be familiar with the work of Simon Sinek, who talks about your why. Um, This is the purpose in life that you feel drawn to. This is the impact you want to have, right? When I work with clients, I talk to them about the legacy they want to leave or what success looks like for them this year or in this phase of their career. So those are all ways of thinking about your big why. Amanda Blake's work ties the the question and exploration of the big why ties that together with emotional intelligence and your body's awareness and your body's contribution to that discussion. So she talks about emotional self awareness primarily as being able to find a purpose in your life and your and align yourself with it. And she sort of simplifies with it, blah, 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 rewind. And she simplifies it to say emotional self-awareness is being aligned with yourself. And there is a somatic competency that supports that self-awareness. And this is sensing. And (laughs) sensing is maybe a little bit more complicated than we think about. Okay. Um, so self-awareness is undergirded by an essential somatic competency, the capacity to sense yourself. This is Blake's words. This means being becoming aware of all of your sensations and emotions at a finer and finer level of detail until you are self-aware, not just in a conceptual way, but in an embodied way too. Okay. So what is that sensing? What does that mean? What does that look like? This sensed and embodied self-awareness involves what we generally understand to be sensing, right? Using our five external senses, um, sight, smell, sound, touch, taste, right? Um, That she calls exteroception, right? External reception. And then there are two other layers of sensing that she invites people to check in with and learn to read, learn to experience, learn to receive input from. One of those levels is interoception, and that's your internal visceral experience. So, for example, if you've taken um, any sort of meditation instruction, some yoga instruction involves this too, where you follow your breath, you pay attention to your heart, you pay attention to your lungs, right? If, you've, if you're familiar with the growing body of research around what the vagus nerve does in terms of body self-regulation, um, all of this is part of interoception, interior perception. So this involves input from the heart, the lungs, the gut, the vagus nerve, your skin, and your fascia, your connective tissue. All of these things have sensors that communicate information to your brain, right? There is increasing amounts of research about the gut and the role that the microbiome plays in our physical and mental well-being. There are neurons in your heart. Right There are cells that function like brain cells in your heart. So your viscera, your organs, are part of this whole body system that allows you to check in with yourself. And when we're talking about the somatic competency of self-awareness, we're talking about your gut reactions, your heartfelt reactions. When when does your breath quicken and when does it slow down, right? When do you feel tight? When do you get goosebumps? All of those are information for you about how you're experiencing your reality, what emotions are coming into play. So it's one level additionally beyond our five primary senses that gives our brain additional information. The third type of perception that we can embody or the embodied perception that we can read is called proprioception. And this is your sense of balance and tells you where your body is in space If you've ever had physical therapy to rehabilitate an injury, your physiotherapist may have talked to you about proprioception, right? It involves input from your inner ear and your your sense of your top of head to tip of toe body, right? So you can picture a toddler who is just learning how to walk and their proprioceptive input isn't solid yet. They They can't interpret it well enough. They don't know where their bodies start and stop yet. Um, So when I said earlier that thinking about EQ involves starting with self-awareness, Amanda Blake says that self-awareness begins with building your capacity for interoception and proprioception, not just for their own sake, not just in order to be able to skateboard like a pro or to snowboard like Sean White or whatever, but in order to accurately inform you about what you care about and what move to make next, Okay, So for her, she writes, the somatic competency of sensing is about becoming more acutely aware of your postures, gestures, movements, and subtle internal sensations. And because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, right? The way you hold your body, the habitual movements that you make, the habitual tension that you hold reveals something about how you're operating in the world. And so if you are habitually tense around certain things or in certain conversations, gaining additional awareness around that is a way to check in with yourself, is a way to determine um, self-awareness, a way to be self-aware and determine the rightness of the situation that you're in, right? How does this sit with me? How does this land with me? And think of those phrases not just as metaphors, but as real physical phenomenon, right? If I'm holding on to this, how comfortable is that hold? If that lands on me, does it fit really well, or does it kind of smack me upside the head, right? And your body will give you clues to that. And because in scholarly work we so prioritize intellectual knowing, it has led to a deprioritization of physical knowing. And you have interoception and you have proprioception. So this is a matter of identifying them, paying attention to them, recording what you're learning from them, bringing your body awareness in line with the mental story you're telling yourself about something, and aligning them, reconciling them with one another. One of the ways that I practice working on interoception and proprioception um, is by floating. So I don't know if you've ever heard about this. Um, I think some people have. So floating, or sometimes it's called sensory deprivation, um, takes place in a contained tank or pod or cabin that is filled with usually less than a foot of supersaturated Epsom salts water. Um, so in the cities that I have lived in recently, there have been dedicated facilities for this um, called Float House or Z Float or places like that. And you strip down naked, clean yourself off, climb into the pod or the cabin and shut the door. And because there is so much salt in the water, you float. You can't not float. Um, you can, of course, sit up and um, and ground yourself. But the purpose of it is to float as if you were in the Dead Sea. And it does a really good job of that. The water is body temperature. It's not It's not heated to above body temperature, and it's not supposed to be cold. So it is at body temperature, and you float. And so your job is to lie there like a starfish with your arms and legs a little out. And you can have your eyes open or closed. Um, Some of the fancier pods have light and music controls inside them. So you can have some really low mood lighting. Um, You can listen to music. The one that I go to most regularly is pretty basic. It's just you're in pitch black and there's no sound. And that sounds claustrophobia-inducing for some people. And I was a little worried that it might be claustrophobia-inducing for me. But there's a great deal of space between your face and the top of these pods. The one I go to habitually, I cannot even reach my arm up and touch the ceiling. And so my body is oriented in a way that I know I have room to move. And because it is pitch black, Even with my eyes open, I can't see my body. Like it really is quite, quite, quite dark. And when I, maybe not my first float, but as I got used to doing this, um, one of the things that happens is you you go into something that is very sleep-like. It's like a non-sleep deep rest. And I realized that as I came out of that, I didn't even quite know where my fingers ended and the water started right my body was completely sort of dissolved in this water so why is this a good practice for thinking about proprioception and interoception well when when i go in and lie down the first thing that happens is am i comfortable Right. So there's, there's a bit of organizing my limbs and my neck. And do I use the little, um, it looks like a toilet seat, but it's a a foam cradle for your head so that you don't have to worry about the saltwater splashing as much in your eyes. Um, if you were to move a little bit, for example, or you don't have to worry about tensing your neck, if that's a concern, some people use it, some people don't. Um, but there's a little bit of situating yourself, right? And before that deep rest takes place, um, there I spend a lot of time sort of paying attention to where my body is in space, right? Until you are still, you kind of move around and float in the tank, and so you might bump into a, a wall or something. So until you're still, you're moving, floating in the tank physically. And eventually, you come to rest, and you're not moving. And you can listen to your breath, you can listen, it's so quiet, I can hear my heart beating. Um, but I notice like, oh, is, uh, do I have some tension in my neck? Do I have some tension in my lower back? How does my knee feel? Right? All of those little things, it is an opportunity to pay attention internally, because there is no external input Um, And floating has a lot of mental and physical benefits. I wanted to try it out and got some passes to float from my family for my birthday four or five years ago because I was really interested in sort of the meditative qualities uh, that were supported by floating, right? Total silence, total darkness, nobody bugging you, how delicious, but what I discovered is It's a full-body Epsom salt soak. So it is excellent for pain management. I have inflammatory arthritis in my hips and knees and lower back. And those areas aren't really easy to soak at home, right? And so when I realized that floating once a month or so was actually both mental and physical therapy, I I was pretty hooked. And it is this way to set aside time to do some of that mind work and body work at the same time. Um, So when you lie back in this super salty water and let the water support you, you can notice what your neck and shoulders are doing, where your feet go, and how long it takes you to fully relax. And those are all essential steps in developing consistent interoception and, um, and I would argue proprioception as well. Um, I've spoken before about the role of meditation. I find it interesting and compelling that at the beginning of um, meditation practices, most instructors will have you pay attention to where your body is situated in space and thinking about having your head over your shoulders and your shoulders over your hips and that kind of alignment and that momentary attention paid to is my spine straight or am I crooked in one plane or another is, again, a way to check in with your proprioception and notice, oh, am I consistently leaning in? Am I consistently leaning out? Is, what does that default body pattern tell me about perhaps my default emotional pattern? So my encouragement for you is to find a practice that works for you that will help you make a habit of mind-body-emotion connection. So whether it's meditation, massages, body work, mindfulness exercises, floating, yoga, dry brushing, I mean, there are a million things you can do. Um, Whatever seems like a path that is worth exploring for you, explore it. Because your body stores so much of your knowledge and your history and I'm encouraging you to not cut that off by focusing all of your efforts around your intellect and improving your intellect. Um, for my own practice, I'm actually later this week, I'm attending an open seminar on emotional freedom technique, which is known as tapping, which I believe, and again, I haven't attended the seminar yet, I've just done a little reading. Tapping is, is self-administered um, stimulation of acupressure points in a specific pattern that is supposed to encourage the ability to kind of rewire your default mental patterns. Um, it is not, I don't think, as powerful as EMDR, the desensitization um, regimen that some therapists do, but I think it works on similar principles that we can tap into our nervous system and invite our brains to pattern differently, to think differently about the past, for example. So I'm always on the lookout for for ways to tap into body awareness when it comes to the coaching work that I do. And whether or not you're involved in coaching or you're doing therapy or whatever, Doing body work is good not just for your muscles and your heart and all of that. It's good for your mind, too, um, in establishing that mind-body connection. So thank you again for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. If you have questions, comments, ideas, jennifer at jenniferaskey.com. And um, keep in touch on social media. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mindful Academy podcast. For questions about this episode, suggestions for future episodes, or to request a free consultation with Jennifer, email her at jennifer at jenniferaskey.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R at Jennifer A-S-K-E-Y dot com. This episode was recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 lands. It was edited in Montreal, Quebec on the unceded indigenous territories of the Genegahaga and Haudenosaunee First Nations. The songs included in the intro and outro for this podcast are Heartache by Silent Partner and Piano Store by Jimmy Fontanez of Media Right Productions, both sourced through the audio library. Thank you very much for listening.